G'day and welcome to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigau and on this show we're examining biblical concepts and ideas and asking ourselves the important question, is it relevant today? Or is it as outdated and ridiculous as landlines? Our show today is titled, What to Do with Nothing. Have you ever felt that you have very little to offer? Have you ever felt that what you bring to the table, especially when you compare it with those around you, just seems insignificant? You sometimes look at others and think, wow, they have so much skill, so much talent. What can I offer? Today, we're going to have a look at what we can do with seemingly nothing. I have an olive tree in our backyard. It's a fairly big olive tree, and especially this year, it has been like packed full of olives. The other day, my wife picked half a 20-litre bucket full of olives, and we began the curing process, and this has only made a small dent in the amount of olives that we have on the tree. Olive trees are very, very interesting. They can live up to 2,000 years. In fact, when I visited Jerusalem at the Garden of Gethsemane, they claimed that the olive trees there were 2,000 years old, that they may have actually been the same trees that were there when Jesus was there. The olive tree root system is extremely intricate. I've read that you can even cut the tree off at the base and they can sometimes grow back. An average olive tree will typically produce about 30 kilograms of olives every year. And when processed, you can get about 4 litres of olive oil per tree. Now, in the Bible, olive oil was very important. In fact, whenever you read the word oil in the Bible, this typically refers to olive oil. One of the things that it was used for is similar to what we use it for today. It was used for cooking. It was often spread on bread. It was used for anointing. Olive oil was also used as a carrier oil to meet certain spices and fragrances into it. It was also used to burn in lamps. Now today we're going to have a look at a story in the Bible where oil plays a very important role. And we're going to do so just after this song. world affords today. 
Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? I'm Marius Jigao and today we're looking at what to do with nothing. We've so far discovered that olive oil was very valuable in the Bible. Today's story is found in 2 Kings chapter 4 and beginning in verse 1 it says, And certain women of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Now, straight away we are presented with a very serious problem. We can see that Elisha knows this lady's former husband and we're told that he knew that he was a faithful man. And she comes to him presenting this problem and you can feel her aching heart. You almost hear her asking, why? 
Why has this happened to our family? We were serving God. We were trying to do the best we can and still this has happened. In fact, if you look in the book of Deuteronomy, God gives a number of promises to Israel. He promises that if you follow me, if you keep my commandments, if you obey me, then I'm going to shower you with blessings and I'm going to protect you. The other side of the coin was also true. If you wander away, if you wander away and serve the Baals, if you follow the false gods, then calamities will fall upon you as I withdraw my protection. Now, it's not surprising that in the Jewish mindset, they develop the idea that if I'm wealthy, if everything seems to be going well in my life, if I have lots of kids and a nice house, then, well, God must favor me and I must be doing everything right. And if things are going bad, if my husband has died and if my kids are about to be taken and sold as slaves, then obviously I must be doing something wrong in my life. Now, while these promises were given to the nation as a whole, that the nation would prosper when they followed God, this doesn't mean that we still don't live in a sinful world, where accidents happen, where disease takes hold, where people die. So this is the situation that the woman finds herself in. The next verse says, So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me what do you have in the house? I actually think that there was probably a bit of a pause after Elisha said, What can I do for you? And I can imagine that she was thinking, Well, you guys have a school of the prophets here? I'm sure there's probably a needy fund somewhere. Maybe you can help out and pay my debt. I don't want to lose my kids. But Elisha continues by saying, What do you have in the house? You see, God wanted to bless this lady. God wanted to maintain her dignity. He wanted to use what she had. And he wanted not just to bless her, but to bless those around her as well. And the response that she gives is, Your maidservant has nothing but a jar of oil. I have nothing. Do you sometimes feel that you have nothing? Nothing to bring to the table. I often visit people and when I ask them, what do you think that you can get involved in in the church? What do you think that you could help out with? The typical response is, ah, well, I'm not really good at anything. I don't have any particular skills that I can bring. We look at our jar of oil and we look at someone else's and we think, look at them. They have barrels of oil. This guy has an entire shipping container full of it. And what can I do with my little 20 mils in the jar? How often do you compare yourself with those around you? I believe this is one of the enemy's tricks. He tries to convince us to look around at everyone else. Look at that person. Look at that person. Look how much they have. Look how much better than you they are. Look how much more intelligent this person is. Right? There's always someone who's more intelligent. There's always something who has more, someone who's better looking. And the enemy loves to get us to focus on those things and to negate the things that God has given us. Now, there are two stories in the New Testament that teach us what we really have and don't have, especially when viewed from God's perspective. And we'll explore them just after this song. 
Jesus, I surrender all to Him. I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence.
Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Chigao and today we're looking at what to do with nothing. We've discovered that the widow came to Elisha and asked him for help. And she said that she has nothing but a jar of oil. But that little that she did have was far from nothing. God can use what we have for his glory. I want to have a brief look at the story where Jesus fed 4,000 and where Jesus fed 5,000. Let's begin with where Jesus fed 4,000. Do you know how many loaves and how many fish he used to feed the 4,000? He had seven loaves and a few fish. Now I can imagine that the person who brought this to him was thinking, I have nothing to offer these people to eat. What can I do with seven little loaves and a few fish? He may have thought, well, I can maybe eat some. I could potentially share it with one other person, maybe two, but all three of us are going to be a little hungry. What can I do to feed 4,000 people? But Jesus used this little he had, not only to feed the 4,000, but there were seven baskets left over. Now let's have a look at feeding the 5,000. There's now 25% more people. We say there was 5,000, but there was likely closer to 20,000 as there was 5,000 males. But let's say 5,000, right? There's now 25% more people. So you would think that instead of needing seven loaves and a few fish, Jesus would have needed 8.75 loaves and a few more fish, right? But he now has five loaves and two fish. He has less loaves and less fish to begin with. Jesus can use whatever you bring to the table. Now I want you to ask yourself, and think about this because I believe it's really important. What if that boy in the morning when he was home, and his mum gave him the five loaves and the two fish to take with him. What if he said, Mum, I've had a really huge breakfast. I'm just going to take two loaves and one fish. I'll just leave the other three loaves and one fish for you. What do you think would have happened in this scenario? Do you think Jesus would have been like, Oh, I only have two loaves and one fish. Would Jesus have said, I'm sure I inspired your mum to make five loaves and to pack two fish. Well, I'm really sorry, everyone. 62.5% of you will have to go hungry because there's just not enough to start off with. Is that what Jesus would have said? No. Jesus would have made it enough. What do you think if he only had one loaf and half a fish? Do you think Jesus could have multiplied that? Is God dependent on the quantity of loaves and fish that you bring to the table? No, Jesus can use whatever you bring to him. In the next verse, it continues and says, Go borrow vessels from everywhere. From all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. Now, why do you think that she was asked to go and borrow vessels? God was about to multiply the oil. Could not he have also multiplied the vessels as well? Elisha could have said, Go to your home, and you're going to find your room full of vessels, full of oil. In fact, he could have done even one better. If you go home, you're going to find your house 
fully stocked with food and the debtor, you'll find that someone else has already paid your debt. But he doesn't do that. He sends her to go and knock on the door of the neighbors and ask them for vessels. Now, there's three reasons I can think of that he asked her to do this. The first is he wanted her faith to be tested in order that her faith may grow. Can you think about what she had to do? It would not have been easy. They were tight-knit communities at that time, and the people would have known exactly what her situation was. They would have known that her husband had died. They would have seen her trying to sell the things that she has to try to pay off the debt, and they would have known that she has nothing left in her home. And then she comes knocking at the door, Hey, can I borrow a few vessels, please? I need to fill them with oil. And they would have been like, What? How are you going to fill these vessels with oil? Have you ever prayed for something and haven't told those around you what you're praying for? Because you're afraid that God may not answer the prayer in the way that you hope? This lady didn't have that luxury. Everyone around her knew exactly what her prayer was. I believe one of the reasons she was asked to go knocking at the door was to grow her faith. I think the other reason was because God wanted not just to bless her, but to bless the community as well, to have them to participate in this blessing. But I also think the third reason may have been that this was a slight rebuke on the community. There are numerous verses throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament where God says to look after the widows and help those in need. And here, the community could have pulled together. They could have done what they could, someone given a little, someone given a little more, to help pay off her debt, but they didn't. I believe that it is our role, it is our duty to help those in need, to help those whose fathers aren't there, to help the widows, to help those in trouble. The verse continues saying, And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, and pour it into all the vessels and set aside the full ones. Now, why was she instructed to shut the door behind her? We'll find out just after this song. So Lord, we pray. So Lord, we pray. 
Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? I'm Marius Jigao and today we're looking at the story of the widow and the oil. We've so far discovered that the quantity of what we have has no bearing on what God can use it for. Jesus was not dependent on the number of loaves and fishes available to him to feed the multitudes. We've also discovered that the widow was asked to gather jars from her neighbors so that her faith may be tested so that it could grow and also that the whole community may receive the blessing of participating in what God would do. But when she got the containers, she was told to go inside and to shut the door. Why? Why was she told to shut the door? I was thinking about this, and one of the reasons I thought was that God was going to give her oil proportionate to the faith that she had. As she started pouring, there would have no doubt have been some thoughts somewhere floating around in her mind, is this going to actually work? Is it going to happen as Elisha said? And as she saw the oil starting to pour, she couldn't then say, hey John, quickly run and see if you can get more vessels from others. This is actually working. No, the door was shut. The other reason, I think, which is more likely, was that God wanted to do something very personal for this family. He was going to be the husband for this widow. He was going to provide for her and her family. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is no other vessel. So the oil ceased. I remember from when I was very young and I heard this story that I wondered how many vessels did she bring? Could she have bought more? Were there other neighbors in the neighborhood who she didn't knock at their doors? Was she thinking when she started pouring the oil and realizing that this miracle is actually happening before her eyes, was she thinking, ah, I wish I would have asked a little more people? I've had an experience in my life that has some resemblance to this miracle. And we'll explore it just after this song. cold he could not find his way he wandered around lost and alone weakening more every day but then a still small voice started calling his name and the little lost lamb heard the cry so he followed the right back to the fold and he was sheltered in his arms all the while 
My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them to them Slam set out to search on his own to find happiness outside of the fold. Thought he'd do as he pleased and never worry again. Be his own master and guide of his life. As he was feeding upon the meadow of life. He met a wolf in sheep's clothing one day. The wolf said, "Come with me now. Be happy always. Just give me control of your life." But the poor little lamb, feeling afraid and ashamed, started running, crying, "I'm sorry, Lord." But try as he might. He could not find the fold. He was alone, crying, "I'm sorry, Lord." But then that still small voice started calling his name, and the little lost lamb heard the cry. So he followed the master right back to the fold. And he was sheltered in his arms all the while. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal. Fold's open door. Just follow the master right back to the fold, and you'll be sheltered in his arms all the Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today, right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigar, and today we're looking at the story of the widow and the oil. We've discovered that the little she had was more than enough for God to use it to bless her and those around her. We've also found out that the blessings we receive can be limited by our capability to receive them. I've had an experience in my life that resembles the widow and the oil somewhat. As I started my internship in Ballarat, I bought the two beehives that I had, and I remember I bought them to Ballarat just before Christmas. I left them at a friend's house there, and I went and checked them two months later at the end of February. And when I did, they had lost all the honey that was in them when I put them there, and a little less than half of the bee population had also gone. So. I took them from there and I put them in backyard. Now, I like to take a jar of honey to people when I visit them, 
and Ballarat is a big church, so your honey runs out fairly quickly. And I remember I prayed and I said, Lord, please give me more honey to use for ministry. Now, I remember I didn't have much faith because it was the end of February and the end of summer. And those who know a little about beekeeping know that bees generally produce a significant amount of honey in the spring and in the summer. But in the autumn, there's a lot less honey that they produce. But nevertheless, I prayed, Lord, please give me more honey to use for ministry. And two days later, one of the elders of Ballarat called me and said, Marius, do you want to move your hives over to this man's house? And I thought, sure. Why not? They can't go any worse than they've been going so far. And as I was moving them, a thought came to my mind. Is this the way that God is going to answer my prayer? And I thought, maybe it is. So when I put them there, I put one extra box on one of the hives. Three to four weeks later, when I went and looked inside the hives, they were packed full of honey, more honey than I've ever gotten before. There was about 125 kilograms of honey in these two hives in a time when there shouldn't have been much honey at all. I sometimes ask myself, what if I would have put an extra box on each of the hives or an extra two boxes? Did I limit the blessing that God would have given me based on the faith I had? I did have a little bit of faith because I did put one extra box. But what if I would have put three extra boxes? The story continues. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons shall live on the rest. She was instructed, first use the money that you have to pay off your debts. And then you and your sons shall live on the rest. I want you to ask yourself today, what can I bring to the table? How can I help out my local church, my neighborhood, my community? God has given each one of us a gift. There are no stories in the Bible where it says, and God created nothing. No. God always made something. I want you to ask yourself, how can I be more involved in my church? What can I bring to the table? At our church at Horsham, we have an elderly lady named Edie, who's an amazing lady. And I remember last year she said, Marius, I would like to start a Bible study group. But you see, I don't like to lead out in Bible studies. I get stressed when I do so, and then I don't like leading out. But I would like to start a group. And she said, there is something I'm good at. I'm good at rounding up people together. And that's what she did. Now we have a Bible study that goes on Thursday afternoons, where an average of eight people attend, three of which are from the community. And the reason that this group is running is because Edie recognized her gift in rounding up people together and chose to give that gift to God. I want to encourage you to look at what gifts has God given you? And how can we use our gifts to bless those around us? You see, 
the lady in this story thought she had nothing. She recognized she did have a little bit of wealth. She had very little, but in fact, she was going to lose her sons to slavery. She was going to probably lose the house she was living in. Then she wouldn't have even been able to provide for herself. But what she did was to come to God and say, Lord, I need your help. All I have is this small jar of oil. And because of her faithfulness in coming and reaching out to God's prophet, to reaching out to God through Elisha, her debt was not only paid. God not only kept her children out of slavery, but he also ministered to the entire neighborhood. And not only that, but to the entire world for generations to come. And all of this because she bought what little she had to God. And God did this for her, but he can do the same for you and I as well. We thank you for listening today and don't forget to visit our YouTube channel called Is It Relevant Today where we have video presentations on many topics including the one we've just been talking about called What to Do With Nothing. We look forward to seeing you next week. I'm Marius Jigal. God bless and I hope you have a magnificent day. Like a river flowing down to the sea Like a rushing wind you flow into me like the falling of the snow like the blood that makes me whole is the love of God that flows into me like a river flowing down to the sea like a rushing wind you flow into me Like the falling of the snow Like the blood that makes me whole Is the love of God that flows into me And like a river you come flooding through the desert of my heart and like the wind you come rushing blowing life through every part and like the snow you're falling on me with the blood of your own son and like the sun you come shining making darkness run just like a river flowing down to the sea Like a rushing wind you flow into me Like the falling of the snow Like the blood that makes me whole Is the love of God that flows into me and like a river you come pouring out your love upon the field and like the wind you bring the harvest down to take your yield and like the snow you come to winter touching hearts and making warm and like the sun 
You raise the mighty light to calm the storm Just like a river flowing down to the sea Like a rushing wind you flow into me Like the falling of the snow Like the blood that makes me whole Is the love of God that flows into me Is the love of God that flows into me
You've been listening to Is It Relevant Today? If you have any questions or comments, please leave them on our Facebook page, Is It Relevant Today? But for now, thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next week. I love to tell the story T'will be my theme in glory To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and His love